All right, flip your bulletins back over. We're in week number four of a sermon series called Twisdom. If you haven't been here for the previous uh, three weeks, don't worry. Uh, we're not really going. Usually we do series and we kind of go in order. This time we're just reading through the book of Proverbs, which is 31 chapters in the Bible uh, on wisdom. And, and if, if you would ask me, you know, how do I live life or what are the answers to this crazy thing called life? I would say Proverbs is a great place uh, to start. And so we talked about stuff like where do you get wisdom from? The beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord. You know who you are, you recognize who he is. Then we talked about friendship, remember? You show me your five closest friends, I'll show you though, I'll show you your future. I'll show you the next five years of your life. Last week we talked about serving. I said if you want to be happy in this life, you have to live outside of your life. And here's the thing, no matter if you're a believer or not, these things will change your life. No matter if you just say, you know what, I want nothing to do with God today. I, I'm, it's just sketchy to me. I don't even know how I got here. Somebody bribed me, by the way. We told them to do that today. However, they can, this is a place of grace. They can pray for forgiveness after they lied to get you here. That, that's totally fine. And so I'm glad you're here today. Even if you're not a believer, the truth is, you show me your five closest friends, I'll show you your future. The, the truth is that if you live outside of yourself, your life will be uh, more blessed. Today I want to talk to you ab about a word that I think is lacking, and, and here's why I think it's lacking. It's because this is more of a secretive word, where, 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 where a characteristic where maybe many people don't see it in your life. They see the, the, the rewards of it or the, the consequences of it. Maybe they don't see it in your life. And in our world, we live a very uh, need-to-be-seen to kind of lifestyle. I'm a big fan of, of the ALS bucket, ice bucket challenge, but if I see one more person dump ice on their head, uh, I, like, don't challenge me. I'm not doing I hate Facebook, so I don't care what you ask me to do. But, like, I, I get it. It's like, I'm going to dump ice on my head, and I'm going to show everybody, then I'm going to challenge them. I get that. But one of the reasons it's so popular is because we have a need to be seen. We have a, we have a desire inside of us for somebody to pat us on the back. And, and I get it because that's in us from when we're a little kid. If, you're a, if you have kids, you know they're constantly like this. Daddy, 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 watch this. <laughs> and, and what do you do? That's awesome, man. That's, that's incredible. That's, you know, that's amazing. That's, you're wonderful. You're the next, you know, Billy Graham, Bill Gates, whoever. I mean, you're, you're, you're going to be a Pulitzer Prize winner. Like, that's amazing, son. So you know that's inside of us. And because that's inside of us, much of the effort that we put into our lives comes from being uh, and working on things that are going to be able to enable us to be seen. But this is more of a, of a private thing. You see, many times, the choices you make when it comes to this word... Uh, uh, nobody sees. This is, this is the characteristic inside of you that causes you to push the cart back into the, the correct spot in the parking lot, parking lot and not leave it in your spot even though it's raining. This is the characteristic inside of you that when you walk out with an extra dollar and you know you got an extra dollar and you're out and you have two little kids screaming in your car and you put everything in your car and you know how long it takes to go shopping with two little kids, add a third kid, that's a little slice of hell on earth, I'm just telling you. You do that and you have an extra dollar, there's this thing inside of you that goes, I can't keep this. And so you take all three kids out, you stick them in back in the cart, you push it back in just for a dollar because there's this characteristic inside of you. There's this thing inside of you that even though no one's going to ever notice that you looked at that person lustfully, that you turn your eyes and look the other way because it's, in, it's inside of you. It's this thing that will completely change your life. The problem with, with it is, is most of us, where we're so concentrated on the outside that we missed, we missed this word, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it integrity today. It's lacking in our culture. You see, you see your studly looks will get you married. Your integrity is going to keep you married. Your talent's going to get you a job. 
Your integrity is going to help you to keep that job. Your integrity is make or break. If you have integrity, you have everything. If you don't have integrity, you have nothing. And if you were to speak to me today, I would say this is maybe one of the top two or three missing characteristics in our world today. It seems like nobody has integrity. It seems like everybody is good at their public life. But if you were to peel the layers back and they were like a banana and you would peel it back and see who they really were, most people are missing integrity. Listen to what the book of Proverbs says. It talks about integrity a lot, so it must be, must be really important. Proverbs 2 says, For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. I love that. He is a shield to those, watch this, who walk with integrity. He, he's protection for those who are walking with integrity. He keeps going. He guards the paths of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. Here's another one I think is so good. Proverbs 10 says, people with integrity, watch this, walk safely. Well, watch this other thing. But those who follow crooked paths eventually will be exposed. People who walk with integrity, in other words, when you make the right decision and, and, and whenever maybe somebody else isn't watching, you will never regret making that right decision. This is my definition of integrity today for you. Integrity is the choice to do the right thing when doing the right thing won't be seen, heard, or rewarded. Integrity is the choice to do the right thing when the right thing may not be rewarded, seen, or heard. Listen to Proverbs, keep going. Proverbs 20 says, the godly walk with integrity. Watch this promise. Blessed are their children who follow them. That's a good verse. You want to pass something on to your kids, pass them integrity. You want to pass something that will impact the generations of your life, pass them the ability to make the right choice when the right choice is not going to be rewarded. I think it's so significant. You guys remember the movie The Titanic? If you're under the age of, of 25, you don't even know what I'm talking about right now. But there was this movie with Leonardo DiCaprio when he was like a heartthrob. Now he's just kind of old like me and so but he was like the chosen one and he was in this movie you guys remember the scene where he puts he put the lady on the uh, on the end and she just floated like this and he held her and all the girls cried and all the guys were like you know when's Braveheart coming on or something like that <laughs> this is so fake and cheesy you guys remember that movie you, you know for forever they thought that the, the, the Titanic was sunk because of an iceberg but do you know that many ships hit icebergs are you aware of that like that wasn't a rare thing you're driving through the cold and you're going to hit an iceberg. It's just normal. It's not like a rare thing. Like they, they were driving, all of a sudden this iceberg snuck out and got them. The Titanic was, was bragged about as being the strongest ship ever. Bible says pride comes before the fall. I'm not sure if that was connected, but I think that always happens in our lives. So something else had to happen. So studies ha have shown now that it wasn't necessarily the, the iceberg that destroyed the Titanic, but the front of the, the Titanic was held together by these steel rivets that, that kind of went like this that would hold the front of the ship together. I'm not sure of all the technical terms, but they now know that the company who made the Titanic cut corners on the steel that they were using because they had assumed that it was never going to hit an iceberg in the first place, and so they kind of just used a weaker steel to make it. In other words, because of the lack of integrity, a bunch of people died it wasn't the iceberg it was the rivets 
And what I found is it's not the large decisions that ruin our lives. It's not the large decisions that get us off God's plan. It's not the large decisions that that kind of make us go this way. It's the rivets in our life, the little decisions, the decision to push the cart back, the decision to cheat on your taxes, the the decision to to, to tip the correct amount, the decision to to give the right amount back to to the cashier, the decision to take the library book back, the decision to do all of those things, the decision to have integrity that's make or break in your life, that brings the the honor and the blessings of God onto your life. I think there's no better example of this than a story of a man named Joseph in the Bible. Now, if you have been to this church for over a year, uh, we did a whole sermon series on the life of Joseph. And, I, and I, I'm not saying this because I preached the sermon series, but I think it was some good preaching. I'm just, I'm just saying that, like, I, I'm not trying to sound arrogant because that's not my, my but I think if you, if you need to know the plan of God for your life and how to get to the plan of God, this sermon series called You Can Do It, it's, it will help you. It, the, the, the story of Joseph, and I'm not bragging about it because the story of Joseph, you pretty much God puts it on, 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 on the, the, cup of, the cusp of the cup and you're just kind of tapping it in. And that's kind of what I was doing into, with, with the sermon. But it, the story of Joseph is, is incredible. And if I were just to give you a little background, it's basically about a, a man who was the youngest of 11 sons. I mean, if you're the youngest of 11 sons, you know you're going to get beat up and, and picked on. And, and not only that, his dad was a farmer in the middle of nowhere. Now, these people were promised to God, by God that he was going to have a covenant with them and he was going to bring the Savior of the world through them. And so if you read the Bible, you know this is part of his plan. But at this point, they're just a, a nomadic farming people and he's the youngest of 11 sons in the field. And, and on top of that, he's kind of a punk. Like, if you ever read the Bible about the story of Joseph, he's having, like, all these dreams. If you're, if you're the youngest son, don't tell your older brothers about, about your dreams. And his dreams are like, hey, by the way, all of you are going to bow down to me one day. I mean, he needed to get punched, if you know what I'm saying. He needed a noogie. He needed a wedgie. You know, he needed, he needed his skirt to be tied to a, to a back of a, like, something like that, because that's what they wore back then. I don't even know if they wore underwear back then. So anyway, like, he needed, all, he needed that to happen to him. And he was kind of arrogant, but God was setting up his life. And if you watch the story of Joseph, his brothers get mad at him because he's always telling them about a dream. They sell him off into slavery. He gets taken by the Ishmaelites. We're going to read in today's Bible, uh, Bible passage. And he's taken to Egypt, where, which is the most powerful nation in, in the world. They kind of dictate the wealth of, of the world. So here is the youngest son of a farmer, and he ends up in Egypt. And if you read this, this story, it's a story that goes 20, 30 years, but he ends up being the most, second most powerful man in the entire world. I mean, the hand of God is great. This, this is a movie that, that is replayed over and over again in, in the movies. This is the prince to the pop, or the popper to the prince. This is a big deal. And you see his life. You see him go, and he works for this person, and then he gets thrown in prison, and he's in prison for a while, and God forgets about him. But you're going to see a continuing theme in the life of Joseph, and that's that he keeps his integrity. Integrity. Listen to what it says in the book of Genesis chapter 39. It says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of the Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. So he's a slave at this point. His brother sold him into slavery. He had all these dreams. His brothers sell him. He ends up being bought by Potiphar, and he's a slave, the Bible says. The Bible says in verse number two, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. I want you to remember that verse. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered. Some of you will say, what was the key to him prospering? Was it his good looks? What, 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 was, was, it, was it God just kind of 
closing his eyes and picking somebody to use. What was the, the characteristic that made him prosper? I want you to remember this because it's going to be answered in a second. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. So he's rising up the, the ladder here. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. Stop there. That should be how it is for every Christian in this place. If you have integrity, wherever you work, your whole company should be blessed because you're there. Instead of it being, I'm stealing money from my, my company because I'm checking Facebook all day to see who's doing the water challenge. I'm stealing money from Facebook because I'm, I'm texting somebody or for my job. Instead, I go there and I work with integrity. That means if I'm there for eight hours, I'm giving my boss eight hours. I'm doing the work that I'm supposed to do because God is watching me and he's seeing if I have integrity. And if I do that, I believe that I'll raise up this ladder because my whole company will find favor because I'm there. What a promise. Some of y'all are the victims. You're like, my job stinks. I'm directing the cashier at, at Wawa, and, and, and I don't even get to count change because it comes automatically in the change machine and, and all this stuff, and, which, by the way, is such a gimmick because they put the little change thing there, and they know you're just going to go put it in there, and I don't even know where that goes. I'm just saying it. <laughs> like, I'm working the, the register, and, and no one's paying attention, and God's going, I'm watching you. I'm watching how you talk to every customer that comes through your doors. I'm watching the way that you do your hair and dress when you go there. I'm watching as you whistle to work. I'm watching as you put the effort into it. I'm watching that. It's not a mistake that God uses certain people, just so you know. It's not a chance. God doesn't throw a dart at a dartboard and hit somebody's soul and go, that's the person I'm using. Let's keep going. It says this. Since the blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except for the food that he ate. That's a good employee. Now it says this, check this out. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Come to bed with me. This is scandalous. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing for me except for you because you are his wife. How, then I could, how could then I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And the verse 10 says, and though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. He refused to be near her even, the Bible says. Check out what happens. One day, he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of his household servants were inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me, with an exclamation point. But he left his cloak in her hand, and he ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew was been, has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. So he's done the right thing, and now he's about to get in trouble for doing the right thing. You ever been there before? Some of you are going, I have integrity. I push my cart back. I give the dollar back. I work hard. I do everything I'm supposed to do, yet I always get over. Look, you see, here's the truth. 
When you have integrity, you're putting your blessings in God's hands. And he owns the cattle on a thousand, a thousand hills. In other words, I'm trying to teach my kids this. You can either think about yourself, make the wrong decisions, make the quick and easy decision, or you can do what you're supposed to do and put the results of your life in the blesser, and his name is Jesus. He's putting his, his life in God's hands. He keeps going. He says this. She kept his cloak beside her bed until her master came home. Then she told him the story. The Hebrew slave you brought to us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard this story, his wife told him, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Some of you are saying, I thought he had integrity and I thought he found favor with God. He's in the wrong place, it seems like. Check out what the Bible says. The Bible says, when his, but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden, remember? He, he was just as good at being a slave as he was at being a prisoner right here. He did the exact same thing. The Bible says, so this person also put him in charge of all he had. I don't think it's a coincidence. I think it's because he had integrity. I think it's because he had Integrity. Here's a couple things about integrity. You ready? Number one is this, how to build integrity. Understand that integrity will take you places you never thought your life would go. Please get this. You want, you want to accomplish great things for God. You want to do significant things with your life. You want to have a platform where you can speak to people. You want to do something significant in your office. Let me tell you something. The way that you do it, being seen, looking for attention, is not going to get you where God wants you to go. But I will promise you that integrity will take you places that you never dreamed possible that your life could go. I mean, think about it. Joseph has a dream. And, and, and typically, when you have a dream that God has placed in your heart, you don't really understand how you're ever going to get there. You, you don't really comprehend how you're ever going to get there. I can tell you in my own life, as we stand in this room today, and I preach in a room that, that we didn't have this time last year. You know how many times I've walked through this room and I said, you know, 13, 14 years ago, when I was a pastor at a church in Oklahoma, and I was setting up chairs in a sound system, a borrowed sound system in a youth room to have 10 kids come and listen to me preach on a Wednesday night, maybe 15 kids, and they were junior hires, y'all. I mean, another little slice of hell. And so anyway, and all that stuff, I can't tell you how many times in my head that I envisioned that one day that we would be part of a church that looked exactly like this building looked. Like we never thought Limerick, sorry, I never thought we'd be in a, in a Mennonite church. I mean, I love Limerick, it's my home now. But I never dreamed in my life someday we're going to get a little brick Mennonite building give to us and, and we're going to renovate. It's been one of the greatest joys of our lives watching God do stuff in that building. But I always had assumed that we would be in a warehouse and we would just do church different. And let me tell you something. It wasn't now that God started doing this, but it was 14 years ago as I was setting up those chairs and I was making them nice and straight. And people were like, why are you making these chairs straight for junior hires? And I was rolling that snake out, that heavy 150-pound snake. Just so you know, I'm not talking about a real snake, not National Geographic snake, y'all, uh, uh, a sound snake, and I was rolling that out, and I was plugging stuff in and trying to get it, and I led worship then, y'all. <laughs> I mean, you asked my wife. I, literally, we had a, drum, a bar drum set, electric drum kit, which, it, by the way, is it another slice of hell. I'm just saying, a little drum kit, and we had a girl that played drums, and we had a guitar player with a mullet. Unbelievable. 
real mole, like, like, listen, legitimate mole, not like mole trying to be cool, not, not like 2014. I'm talking like, like a real 80s rocker mullet. Like he didn't care. Kids used to walk in. I mean, you don't need a mullet with junior high kids. That's asking for it. He didn't care. Him, his name, him, me, and, 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 and my drummer, and I would hand them music, and I would say, let's learn this new song tonight. What is it? I, I don't know any of the music. You play it. I'll sing it. We'll do it. The whole time I had, though, what I was learning is integrity. Integrity will take your life places you never thought you would go. I have no idea over the last 14 years, 12 years, 13, whatever it's been, how we got here. I have no idea how we started Limerick. I have no idea why we got a building given to us in Plymouth Meeting. I have no idea when the next thing is going to come from. But what I do know is if I keep walking the path of integrity. If I keep doing the things that I'm supposed to do, even though no one's watching me do it, even though I may never get rewarded outside of this church, even though no one's patting me on the back, that God will do things with my life that I never dreamed possible. Integrity will take you, you places. You see, what I, what I love about Joseph is that his actions were consistent and his attitude was constant. No matter where he was, he's, he's a slave, his actions are consistent. He's a prisoner, his actions are, are consistent. He's not living his life based on feelings. He's not living his life going, well, today I'm going to have integrity because people are watching. But tomorrow I'm stealing this and I'm, I'm leaving this and I'm punching out early and I'm doing whatever I want. He is fully aware. And here's a little side note to you. When I say that you do the right thing even though no one's watching, Christians are aware that there is one person watching. And that's the audience of one that you're living for. And that's what enables you week in and week out, day in and day out, second in and second out to continue to have Integrity. Psalms 15, this promise says, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who could be close to you? Who may live on your holy mountain? Those whose walk is blameless, who do what is right, who speak the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor, and who casts no slur on others, who despises the vile person but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath, watch this, even when it hurts. Even when it's going to cost you something, you have integrity. Number two, integrity will keep you from abandoning God's great plan for a temporary good plan. I mean, could you imagine if Joseph would have decided, I'm just going, I'm just going to go take this, this girl up on, on, on her offer. I mean, it's not the first time, God. She's been asking me every day. It's not my fault. I'm so good looking. I mean... God, Potiphar put me in charge of everything. And technically, at that time, girls were just a piece of property. Sorry, girls. And he's put me in charge of everything. So technically speaking, I need to take care of this woman. He would want it. I mean, you ever do that when you're, when you're in the midst of making a really stupid decision? You're justifying why you're going to make the stupid decision? God, he, Potiphar would want me to do this. He wants his woman happy, a happy wife, a happy life. So let me just do it. Could you imagine what would have happened to him? I mean, if you follow his life, you see him rise up this ladder, go to prison. He gets forgotten about in prison. He keeps his integrity. He finally has his chance because God always is working out a plan. He comes to, to the Pharaoh of Egypt, the most powerful man in the world, and he interprets a dream that, that God gave him the talent for, and he ends up being the second most powerful man in the, in the world. And the very family that sold him off, he was in the exact place during a famine to save them, to keep God's plan going. God had the whole thing worked out. Could you imagine if 
he would have sacrificed that great plan for a good plan. He would have been stuck at that house forever. He might have never even got, some of you are like, well, I didn't get caught. You might never get caught. My dad told me when I was in seventh grade, I pray that your sins find you out. In other words, I pray that you get caught when you're doing something stupid. One of the worst things that can happen to you in your life is for you to keep doing something stupid and God allow you to keep making that decision. One of the best things that can ever happen to you is when you're walking away from the Lord for you to be caught and repent and come back to him. The trick is you have to repent and come back. My people I've seen get caught and just keep walking. It breaks my heart. They sacrifice God's great plan for a temporary good plan. See, I told you before that, that about feelings, and what I will say to you about, about this is, is integrity is best kept in a person who doesn't live by their feelings. It's sort of like, what? In other words, integrity is best kept by a person who's numb to their, to their daily feelings, to what they're feeling, like what, they, what they're going through, what's, what's happening. Like, in fact, Jeremiah 17 says, it says, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? In other words, if your heart says yes, but the Bible says no, who are you going with? I've often heard people say, what should I do? And, and this is the statement that we talked about last week, and it's really stuck, or last year, during the series, it really stuck for me. It's pretty simple. God's will for your life will never contradict God's word for your life. So if you're in a tough decision right now, and you're not sure if you're lacking integrity, you get your nose in God's word and you figure it out, because his word for your life will never contradict the will for your life. Number three is this, is integrity will help you to do the right thing even when you have a chance to do the wrong thing. It's not situational. Because let me be honest with you, you're going to have a chance to do the wrong thing. Luckily for us, God is not here with us, and he doesn't strike us down physically when, when we do something wrong and we can't see him. So for many of us, we're convinced that because he's not physically here with us, that he's not present with us. So oftentimes, we'll come to the conclusion, stupidly thinking, that we can get away with the wrong thing because no one's watching. And let me tell you something. Integrity is going to help you to make the right choice even when you have a chance to make the wrong one. It's funny that when you're going to talk about integrity that God always brings up a test to see if you, if you have it. And sometimes I hate integrity, just so you know. Because sometimes when you keep integrity, it costs you. This week, just so you know, I've told you about my family often, and I don't tell you about my family to brag about my kids because I don't think that's, that changes anybody's life. But sometimes you should, you, I tell you stories about my, my family just so you know that my family is just as crazy as your family. So this week we took th- my three boys, uh, and anytime you start a sentence with took my three boys, you know it's going to be crazy. So we took my three boys to, up to Plymouth Meeting to talk to the contractor and and we were going to go to Ikea and, and Home Depot and pick out paints and look at stuff for the new building and get a couple supplies for the new rooms. And so we took my boys up there and, and we got out of the car. And because it was all dusty, we didn't want to take Harrison into the, into the room. So we mistakenly asked Carter and Lincoln to stay by the car. Uh, well, we turned it off, left the windows open. It was only 80 degrees. Don't get mad. <laughs> left the air on. I don't know if the air was on. I think it was on. Maybe it was off. I'm not sure. But the windows were open. It was fine. We were only going in for a minute. We left, said, stay out here, watch the baby, stay here and play. So we, 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 we go in, we talk to Seth, and we come back out, and, and there's a huge scratch on my car, like, like this long, on the side of my car, on the, right on the front of my car. Now, now we, we have two cars in my family. Typically, my wife drives the nicer car, because that's what you should do if you're a male and you have a wife with kids. She should drive the nicer car. And I have a 2002 Mitsubishi Montero Sport that won't die. It's like, 
It's awful. And so I'm still driving this thing. And so we have a, about a year left to pay on our Jeep. Which, so at the end of when we pay it off, typically I get that car. So I'll try to keep them nice because then I can have a nice car. And then she typically finds something new. And that's kind of how it works when they break down, when they're ready to go. So I'm trying to keep this car nice. Now, this huge scratch. And I'm like, what happened? Everybody, if you have kids, you know it's like, I don't know. I might have hit it with a stick. I'm just saying. It was an accident, though. So that, that's the, the way that this day was going. And so we come home, and we have to make one more stop at Sears Hardware. And we have a cup holder by our, our, our shifter thing right here. And, and we have a Dickie's cup sitting there because that's the only cup you were allowed to drink out of in my house. And so we have a Dickie's cup with water in it, and we have a carpet from Ikea. Now, if you know if you go to Ikea, your trunk is always too small for what you come out with, correct? So you just shove it in, even if you have kids, and your kids just kind of Tetris their way into their seats. And so there was this, this carpet going past my son's head. And he was getting tired of it, Carter. So as we're pulling into Sears, he, he pushes it as hard as he can. I guess it's in his way. And he slams it into the, into the Dickies cup. It's plastic because they're free. And it hits the Dickies cup and it explodes this water all over my car, going all over this little junk-like like area where you get to keep stuff. I put my phone usually. Thank God it wasn't there. And all over the shifter, there's water everywhere. So we're pulling in and we're like, what's wrong with you? We have nothing to wipe it up. And so I say, hand me a diaper because that's the only thing that I know that'll work. And so I'm, I'm dabbing up this thing and I'm worried about it. And in the midst of all this, we're pulling into Sears. I pull into the parking lot. I get out of the car and, and I walk into Sears and I might not have put it in park. So we get out, and I, I go come back to the season, and I get out from the season, and Leah's running around, and she's like, show me the car like this, and there's this yellow pole that the car has ran into, and it's leaning like this. So now I got a scratch and a yellow bumper in the front. This is about to be my car, y'all. So I back up, and I move it, because I'm really embarrassed that Leah did it. So anyway, I back up, I move it, and I drive, and I drive. And when I'm backing up, I notice that the pole's kind of crooked. But my reaction is, it's Sears. They're all closing. <laughs> so I'm leaving. And I literally get out of the parking lot, and Le- Leah's like, we, should we tell them about that pole? And I was like, nah. <laughs> and I get home, and the whole night went, and, and God's like, you really going to talk about integrity? And you're not going to call them? And I had to make a choice. Because I had every just, it is a handicapped piece of concrete that's leaning a little bit. It's still standing. No one else got hurt. No one else is going to know. In fact, my, my life is worse than Sears right now. And Leah said, you, so cause sometimes, you, but remember the Bible says over and over again, wisdom is a woman. She says, you need to call them. And so I called them up and I had the conversation and the conversation went something like this. I hit your post. I'm not really sure what happened. It might have been my wife, but I... I probably was me. Hit your post. It's kind of leaning. He goes out and looks at it, and then he comes back in. He says, it's fine. I said, good. I said, if you want me to pay for it, I will. I'm a pastor in, in the town. I don't want you to see me on the screen one day or coming to this church and have me on camera hitting your pole and leaving. And it didn't end up costing me anything, but the truth was is that no one really ever would have known. They didn't even notice. But the truth was my integrity is most important. And I can promise you, if you're going to be a person of integrity, that you're going to have a chance to make the wrong, the wrong choice because no one's ever going to know. Number three, lastly, as we close, or number four, sorry. The bottom line is if you continue to do the right things, you won't be at the wrong place. In other words, if you continue to do the right things, you're going to be in the right place 100% of the time. 
I don't know how many people I've told that to. They're like, I just don't understand what God's doing. I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand God's plan. And my, my, my statement is always, do the right thing, be in the right place. The small decisions you're making right now are preparing you for an even bigger decision tomorrow. Integrity is make or, or break in our lives today. I would pray that more people in this church would develop it. Even in Joseph's life. How many times could you read it if you didn't know the end and go, this is it? You let him get sold into slavery? You let him go be a servant at an Egyptian's house? Some woman tries to jump his bones? And he does nothing wrong but leave his clothes and runs away naked? And he's getting in trouble? He's in prison. He goes to prison, and at one point, he's there, and some of the, 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 the Pharaoh's other, the cupbearer and the, the, the baker are there. Sounds like a joke. And he, he helps them get out of prison, and he says to them, hey, don't forget about me. And they get where they're supposed to be, and they forget about Joseph. And he spends years in prison by himself, and he keeps doing the right thing. And the bottom line is, at the end of his life, the reason he's where God has called him to be is because he never stopped, and he never lost his integrity. You have a chance right now. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. We are not people of integrity. We do not live for an audience of one. We typically do the right things when somebody's watching. But my hope is that we will be a church that does the right things when no one's watching, when no one's going to reward us, and when maybe no one ever sees or hears what comes out of our mouths and our lives. Would you stand with me all over this place? Would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes at a Limerick campus? Would you just stand with me? As Pastor John makes his way to the front. Can we just have a time of response in this place? The way you respond to a message like this is not through some emotional prayer where you cry out you're sorry to God. That's a good start. But the way that you, you respond to a message like this is you figure out the place where it's lacking. And I can promise you for each one of us in this place, there's an area in our hearts and in our lives where we lack integrity. And you can ask God to show you and you can make it right the next time you have a chance. Or you can make it right today, just like I had to do on the phone yesterday with Sears Hardware. Maybe it's simply you just pushing your cart back to the cart thing. I know that sounds so stupid, but that's not integrity. Maybe it's you putting something back that you take off the shelf that you decide you don't want. And the Holy Spirit pricks you and says, go put that back where it's supposed to go. Your justification is somebody else, I'm giving somebody a job. It's their job, not mine. No, your integrity is on the line. Maybe you have a lust problem in this place or at our Limerick campus and you haven't been caught yet. But every time somebody of the opposite sex walks by, you undress them with your eyes. Nobody knows about it, but your integrity is at stake. You're making a mockery of God and his presence in your life. You're playing with fire. You're allowing your mind to go places that it should never go. You're itemizing a person created in the image of God. You're putting them into your own selfish desires. Maybe that's your integrity right there. Maybe it's what you watch. Maybe you watch things that you know you shouldn't watch. Nobody's going to find out, but you watch shows that talk about things that you know is not glorifying God, that, that actually act out sin. Some of you are saying, what show is that? I would say, what show isn't that? Maybe some of you go places and drink things you're not supposed to drink and hang out with people you shouldn't hang out with. And your integrity is on the line. 
You're sacrificing God's good plan or a good plan or a good time for God's great plan in your life. I'm not sure what it is, but I know that it's a call to respond today. And as you pray, and maybe you are becoming available, maybe your eyes, you just close your eyes and just don't look at me right now. And maybe you just seriously, for the very first time, you just pray in this place. God, open up my eyes. God, give me the strength. The Bible says God fills us with his Holy Spirit. And he enables us, he empowers us, the Bible says. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll have power, power to overcome, power with ridiculous strength to make the decisions you're supposed to make, to go against the times that you need to go against, to to, to fix the problems you need to fix. The Holy Spirit is is in this place and he's here with you. And maybe as as Christians are praying all over this place, maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus today. Can I just introduce you to the goodness of him? Bible says you're a sinner and I'm a sinner. So when I talk about the lack of integrity today and I talk about mistakes that we make, maybe you feel like I'm talking down against you and what I'm doing is I'm just talking with you. I'm explaining to you who I am and who I was before I met Jesus and I know where I would be had I not met him. And maybe you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you're a person today of bitterness, of resentment, of anger. Maybe you live your life in response to everything that's been done and said about you. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. Maybe as soon as I say that, you remember a parent that left you. You remember a word that was spoken over you. You had a boyfriend or a girlfriend that abandoned your life. I'm not sure what it looked like, but you know what pain is. And maybe the pain that you've experienced has set the course of direction of your life. And you're no different than me in this place. I'm not a good person because... Jesus changed me, saved me, set me free, and I did all these other good things to get him to love me. I'm a good person because Jesus rescued my life. He gave me grace and hope and mercy. And had he not done that, nothing else that I've done since then has changed my life, not because of what I've done, but it's only been because of what he done and did for me. And Jesus is here for you right now. He loves you so much. The Bible says he loved you that he would take your place on a Roman cross and he would die the death you should have died. His life ended the way your life should end. The way you feel right now, you know there's no hope from it. The heartache you have, the shame, you know no matter where you look on this earth, you can't find answers. You can cope with it and you can numb it. And truthfully, this should be the end of you. You should just carry all that baggage to your death, passing it off to your loved ones, allowing it to God and direct you. But the Bible says that Jesus died the death that you should have died so that you could live the life that you could have never lived. Now, the only reason I stand here and he's forgiven me and he's given me hope and he's changed the course of direction in my life is because I've responded to Jesus. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that you'll be saved in this moment. That you just say, Jesus, I need to follow you. I need to repent of my past. I need to give you my present. Jesus, I need hope for the the future. And the Bible says you'll be saved and changed in that moment. That he'll be with you. That he'll challenge you. That he'll love you. That he'll convict you. That he'll speak to you. That he'll give you hope. That he'll give you a love that never leaves nor forsakes. And he is here right now in this moment. And all you need to do is you need to respond, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to follow you. So with nobody looking around in this moment, our service is about to be over. Maybe you got invited here and you don't really know why you were here, but you would say, you know what? I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I don't know everything about the Bible, but I believe that he died on a cross for my sins. I know how I feel right now. I know the hopelessness that I have, and I need the hope that is found only in Jesus Christ. 
I'm going to give him my life today. I'm going to follow him. If that's you in this place, would you simply just place your hand up high with nobody looking around and say, today I'm going to give Jesus my life. I'm going to ask him into my, my heart. If you're at a Limerick campus, just keep your hand up high. I see, I see a hand back here. Does anybody else say, Pastor, that's me? I see two hands over here. That's why we do what we do. I see a hand in the back. I'm going to make Jesus the Lord of, of my life right now in this moment. This is the most exciting time of our service. The Bible says when one person responds to the gospel, that heaven stops and rejoices. That the creator of the universe doesn't need to pay attention to us. We're just one of a billion. But he stops and he focuses his attention on us. And he's so excited because you're coming home right now. Is anybody else to say, Pastor, that's me at our Limerick campus. Just respond by placing your hand up high. Maybe you're online right now and you're watching and you just begin to pray, Jesus, come into my life. I believe you died for my sins in my place. Would you pray with me at both campuses? I see a hand right here too. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this day. I thank you for my friends in this place, Lord. I thank you that maybe this is their first time here or maybe they've been to church a bunch of times. Maybe they felt like you were giving up on them. Maybe they felt like they were ready to give up on you. Maybe they came into this place with shame, hopelessness, hurt, bitterness, unforgiveness, all this baggage, Lord. Lord, I thank you that the weight of the cross, that the resurrection, that that the new life found in Jesus, that it can carry the weight of our past, that it can heal our present, and Lord, it can restore and promise us a future. And so Jesus, all over this place, the prayer is simple. Jesus, I need you to be my Lord and my Savior. Not only are you saving me from my sin, but I'm committing the rest of my life to follow you, to be a person like Joshua who simply follows you every step of the way. Jesus, I thank you that the Holy Spirit is coming right now in this place, and you are filling us up with your presence, Holy Spirit. You're giving us the strength to not only pray this prayer, but to live out this commitment when we walk out of this church, Lord. I thank you that you're going to protect us, that you're going to guide us, that you're going to give us wisdom, that you're going to speak to us, and that you're going to fill our love our life with an unconditional, never-ending love. Love that will never leave nor forsake. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for saving people in our midst. We thank you and we rejoice with heaven. Lord, we thank you for those that responded at our Limerick campus. I thank you that you're changing them right now, that you can do more in a moment than we can accomplish it in in our entire lives, Lord. And Lord, I pray for this church, those believers in this house, that you would make us people of integrity, that we would live to please you, that we would make the right decisions when no one else is watching. That we would be people that would concentrate on, on these characteristics that, that set us apart. Lord, that draw, draw your presence to our lives, Lord. Lord, we live to please an audience of one, and that's you. And we thank you for being with us, Lord. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all the promises. We thank you for all that you're going to do in our lives. And we thank you for changing people's eternities. In your name we pray. Amen. Come on, church, a clap. We got something to clap about today.